This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And it comes to you by Anything Is Possible, AIP.media. And I'm Billy Grant, and I'm sitting here in the virtual joint quite a few days after we napped three points off the villa. And I'm still glowing from that result. And I'm sitting here with my chums, and we're going to talk about that villa game because we thought we'd have a few days off. And we'll actually kind of pontificate. Then after that, we'll come back. And what we're going to do is that we're just going to throw in a bit of a weekend review format for this podcast here. And then we're going to look forward to the FA Cup game against Port Vale. Like I said to you, my name is Billy Grant here and I am sitting in the studio with my man Laney. How are you? I'm good, Bill. Yes, I'm very good. Yeah, that's that's the start of the year. It's gone really quick, isn't it? I would have said that was only like a day or so ago but yes we're, we're already sort of late and midweek and uh, we've got uh, we've got the weekend fixtures like looming down on us all over again so yeah it's it's, it's relentless so um, yeah plenty to discuss um, eventful game wasn't it on the weekend and uh, um, it's obviously got some selection quandaries ahead of the uh, the FA Cup match so yeah loads to loads to chinwag about definitely loads to talk about We've also got my man Tommy L, who's back. He enjoyed it so much when he did the previous podcast. He thought, I'm potty for it, Bill. Let's have some more. Tommy L, how are you doing? I'm very well, thanks, Billy. Uh, yeah, delighted to be back. Uh, obviously, didn't say anything out of turn because uh, you were happy to have me back. So um, hopefully, I can, <laughs> hopefully I can continue that run of form. That's right, mate. We like continuity is what we like on the podcast, continuity. So anyway, listen, let's crack on because, like I said to you, we had the Villa game at the weekend. Sunday, we played Villa. We talked about Sunday games and we don't necessarily like Sunday games because they ain't necessarily the best of vibes. But this one, to be quite honest with you, had a lot of people smiling back in the pub afterwards. I want to ask you, Laney, what are your main takeaways from that Villa game? Main takeaway is we we, we really got off with one there, I think. Um, I'm not quite sure we deserved, warranted the three points, but I'll take them all day long. Completely and utterly, you know. I, I think we were so far off our best, so far off what we know we've been capable of. Um, pretty much any other match, I think we lose that. Um, a better team than Villa, which I was surprised. I thought, you know, they started off right, 
Um, Ings took his goal well and um, at 1-0 I thought it was going to become two and the game was going to get away with us. Uh, the fact that we scored that incredible, you know, breakaway, we, you know, it wasn't a breakaway as such, but it was it was a great move, passing it right across the back line, backwards and forwards we went, and then we broke their press, and it was it was ruthless. Um, you know, Weiss's goal was exceptional, and uh, you know the build up, the, the the reverse pass from from Jensen, and then the the, the ball into uh, to to Weiser was was exceptional from. Uh, uh, Roslev and yeah, the finish exquisite as they say. So yeah, I think any other day though we we don't win that. But we've got something about us. Um, the character is so good in this squad. Um, so yeah, obviously I'll accept those three points with open arms. Tommy Hill. Uh, yeah, similar lines. I mean, I thought it was a pretty poor game of football all round. Really, um, we were abject for forty minutes. I mean, we just weren't there at all, were we? Yeah, just couldn't couldn't string three passes together and for the first time this season <clears throat> there was a bit of aggro and a bit of noise from the crowd and a bit of dissent from the crowd and a few boos and mutterings and murmurs um, louder than, than, than the, uh, previously happened this season and I think that was a sort of um, a culmination of a few performances actually so far this season but then um, you know the, 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 it's a getting the goal before half time it changed everything didn't it really I mean it's you know they do say you get a goal at that point and it changes the the, the way a game can go and um, it really did you know uh, we didn't deserve to be level at half time I've got no idea how we were um, I thought we were better second half but not massively better um, and I thought Villa just didn't offer anything in the second half and as I say it was a pretty poor game of football in the end um, we didn't really deserve the points but much like Laney said, um, take them, absolutely yeah. take them. And, and for me, I mean, obviously, I mean, I'll reflect exactly what you guys have said there as well. You know, I, I mean, I sort of took a few takeaways from this as well, because don't forget we came off of the back of uh, the Man City game and uh, the Villa posse, they were hoping actually that we would have had a massive blowout because especially after sort of kind of um, really going for it as they felt, you know, in the Man City game, that we're actually going to be really struggling. And they probably thought that we were actually struggling a little bit less than they thought we were in this game, because obviously we kind of went all the way to the end as well. But what I thought was interesting is like, you know, we're going into January now and we're looking at, you know, who's going to be there, who's not going to be there. So obviously Dominic Thompson got um, player of the match against Manchester City, but he didn't feature or he featured on the bench in this game. And uh, Sergi Canos actually came back into this game as well. And he went on to the left uh, wing back position, which again is not his normal position, and we put you know uh, Mads on the right as well. And I think there's a few things that are sort of saying to me because again, you know, we're having questions who's going in and out, and sort of one of the takeaways is that they're thinking not quite sure, even though he got the man of the match, Dominant Toxum. I don't know if he's going to be the one, and uh, maybe he's going to be seeing themselves out this window especially as he's uh, out of contract towards the end of the year as well and also Sergi he's turning himself into a bit of a kind of a play anywhere type position type player which is actually quite good because that's the type of player that you like in your side sort of like the modern day Kev O'Connor like you know what I'm saying so well, he's playing all over the place up front at the back you know Kevin Coleman he started his career up front and he worked his way to the back of the pitch and worked to the midfield and maybe uh, Sergi Canos is really working himself to be one of those players for us as well uh, and the other takeaway that I've had and we've talked about this before but it's the way that he took that goal is that we sir he's got some skills 
He really does. Like, you know, he's kind of like, he looks a bit awkward and gaggly sometimes. But boy, you know, when he gets that ball at his foot, he could just do some things which, uh, which, which, which creates something out of the blue. So those are my three main takeaways from that match. Like, you know, and uh, yeah, I do agree with you. Maybe we, we, we got one out, you know, we had a few bit of chums that were of us and they were a little bit kind mm. of like Christ Almighty. <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know, I don't know what happened there. I mean, I know your Colin Abbott wasn't, wasn't particularly happy, was he? Like, no, he wasn't happy, but he, he did turn around and say the best team won. Um, I, I, thought, I think they were just, just genuinely hacked off with how poor the, their own team were, you know, that, Stephen Gerrard's arrived there with a big fanfare, and the media are, you know, they're they're doing the proper loving like they do um, with with some of their managers, um, including Bielsa, um, and they 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 speak up, they talk up the managers to to greatness before they've even achieved anything. And I, I think the honeymoon period with Gerrard is, you know, is is kind of slightly over. It's more of the same with them, and I think that's I think that was the vibe back in the pub, was it? You know. Same shit, different gravy. That's right. Listen, so what we're going to do as well now, because obviously we've had our main takeaways as well, we're going to go back to the game and we're going to hear what the fans had to say, both the Villa fans and the Brentford fans, after the game and hear what their main takeaways were. Listen, it's a massive, massive three points as always. Uh, Happy New Year. Uh, Fantastic. Really impressed with the, uh, the new stadium. Intensity from the uh, fans and the, the community as well here at Brentford. Really, really uh, good experience. I love the game, so congrats on the result. You know what? We, we were searching hard for a win. The boys worked really hard. I think Rursen has been great the last two games. He got an assist and a goal today. Uh, I think he just sums up a bit of an excellent team effort tonight. Game of two halves. I think we controlled the game without really creating many, many chances and got what we deserved in the end. And Brentford took their chances and well done I think a draw probably would have been fairer but then as I say you have to take your chances I thought our mistake was was letting that goal in in the first half we were in control of the game 1-0 up towards half time and, and, and made a, a, a defensive error and game changes and I thought Brentford were much better in the second half yeah I think let's not get ahead of ourselves we're top 10 let's not get ahead of ourselves because realistically we're not too far off relegation zone either so we just need to basically really need to give our heads in the game now because we're coming into the hard slog of the season. We have momentum from promotion. Christmas and injuries have hit really hard now. So it's, it's going to be a hard slog. We've got three away games on the trot. So we can't, like, we're not out of the clear yet. But no, it's looking good. It's looking good. Delighted. Absolutely. We needed that. We've got some tough games coming up. We deserve today. Come on. It was a disjointed first half. We looked poor. We were really, really unlucky to be in the game at half time. But second half, yeah, Tom Frank had a word. We chased things up and we looked a lot more impressive. And I think, you know, we're maybe lucky to see three points, but that was a great performance. You know, what a result. Yeah, first 30 minutes or so was, wasn't there. And a little bit of class from Vissar. Um, to, you know, um, I think Jensen's a really good pass down to you. Rossler puts it in. Vissar, you know, I think he's got it in his tank, isn't he? He's got really technically good, but very, very good control of his feet. And he gets under control, puts it in. And it changes the game, but even... I, I like the way today it felt like we turned it around it just didn't look like we were that up for it to start with but uh, turned it around and it's fantastic and again this win really takes the pressure off yeah I thought we had the first 30 minutes we played like we played at Norwich first 30 minutes look good just can't finish teams off when we're on top 1-0 2-0 it's a totally different game at 1-0 you've always got a chance it's always a good day out in Brentford isn't it you know 
top boozer, top people. Yeah, Always make us welcome. Fans yeah. never any trouble. It's a, yeah. It's still yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Uh, do I enjoy coming here? It's, it's a good day out. I think we had a. It was nice to come to a new ground. I think it's, it's a nice stadium. And I think that, yeah, as, as Hatch said, the facilities are good. It was just a disappointing result for us. A very, very good three points. Yeah, we, we, we're now level one points with Villa. Uh, we're a, a further away from Watford, which is ultimately the key goal of creating that gap. Um, and we're not technically halfway through the season. So, um, not the best performance, but those are the, if we were a Man City, those are the type of performances that people at Sky Sports would say, uh, those are the games that we knew the title. You know, grounding out result. So there you go. The fans from the game. Um, I'm just going to ask you, though, from this game, who was your Brentford eye-catcher? Tommy L. Uh, it can only be one, really, can't they? Mads Rerslev. Um, uh, for a long time now, people are saying, why have we not replaced the house guard? Why have we not replaced the house guard? We need a right back, we need a right back. We've had one all along. I think the guy can play. Every time I've seen him... I think he's shown ability. You know, he's got an engine on him. Technically, he's good. You know, I mean, he set up the first goal. He scored the second goal. Um, I just don't think he's been given any opportunities. You know, obviously, when we had Dalsgaard in the side, then then that's kind of understandable. Um, and and I, I think Ruslev is a really, really good option for us at right back. Um, and and he showed that he can compete at the level. Um, comfortably so you know he didn't look out of place and I'd like to see him get a run in the team now um, and, and really try and secure that, that berth because uh, he can defend he can attack uh, he's young he's he, you know he's willing he's, le- all right, he's learning you know, he's, he's not the finished product by, by any stretch but um, but yeah, I mean, I think I thought he was absolutely, he was far and away our best player uh, against Villa. Yeah, I mean, he's highly, very highly regarded and he's been highly regarded for a couple of years. I mean, I remember speaking to some of this coaching staff and said, you know, I said to him, as we do the whole time, who are the next batch of players who are coming out of the B team? Who are the players that you rate? And Roslev was top of the pile. They were just saying we really rate him. And, you know, the fact that we've actually thrown him in into the deep end in the Premier League. You have to remember, like I said to you, you know, there was a, I think there's an article that was written fairly recently, you know, B team to Premier League. And, uh, you know, and, and, and obviously he has delivered and he's causing problems, but he is also learning. But, you know, interestingly, obviously, like, you know, we've just had a deal turned down for Vanderson from Brazil. You know, which was about 10 million euros, I think it was, and he's gone to Monaco in the end. And we're still looking at a a, a right back option, possibly. Um, my question to you is that: Are you saying, hold on a second, let's put the the halt on that, let's put the skids on that, and let's actually just stick with what we've got with Roslev because that's good enough for now? Or do you think actually, you now as Brentford, we should still maybe look at this option so that we've actually got two really strong candidates at that one position? Yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. Ca- carry on looking to strengthen the squad wherever we can, and, and I don't think anyone uh, with half a brain would say that, that that right back is is a place where we've got much depth. Um, uh, so yes, absolutely, we should be looking at players like Vanderson would have been lovely, and if he'd have come in, in all likelihood, he'd have taken the number one right back or right wing back spot. Um, but we haven't got anyone in at the moment, uh, and so we have to be pragmatic about it and think about it and go, okay, it might not happen. You know, January transfer is weird, isn't it? Let's face it, and we don't, well, self-inflicted, we haven't really dabbled in it much, so we're not quite sure what we're going to get, and we might feel that we've been taken for a ride or blah blah blah. So it possibly won't happen so if it is going to be Ruslev 
then I'm happy with that is what I'm saying. Um, absolutely, we should always look to, to, to strengthen the side. But but if it's going to be Ruslev, um, then that's fine by me. Right, and give me your Brentford eye-catcher mark out of 10. Uh, I thought he was... A, I'll give him an 8. I mean, I was 7 quarters, maybe. Oh, dear. Getting pernickety now. Laney. Sorry. Well, if you've gone for the Mads Rosler, I'll have the other Mads. I'll have um, Mads Beck Sorensen. I, I thought he looked excellent again. Um, I think the last couple of games, uh, his positioning, um, his reading of the game, um, his stature... Um, he he looks he looks like, he looks like a baller all of a sudden. He doesn't look like a rookie. Um, I'm sure his his latest injury layoff hasn't wasn't certainly wasn't uh, on you know wasn't desired, and he wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't have chosen that. But he seems to have come back um, better since he's been rested and recuperated and, and recovered. Uh, he he looks a part of the senior squad now rather than part of the junior squad or B team plus I, I, I don't I am not going to bat an eyelid whenever I see his name mentioned he's, he's evolved he's moved on so it's brilliant to see um, I, I know whether I, I think I said it on, on this podcast the last time out you know what's he worth if we were going to go out and buy him now he's he's, 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 a, he's a very accomplished player and now he's got Premier League experience so um, yeah well done Mazbek Sorensen and marks out of ten for them for the other Mads. Eight, eight out of ten for him. Kind of almost neck and neck. Or eight in eight, eight in a quarter. Can I go eight in a quarter? <laughs> yeah, okay. There you go. Finickety man as well. Like you know, say. So I'm going to see if I can have a triple of finickettiness. Um, for me, it's going to actually be Wiesa. And I'm going for Wiesa because of his goal. <laughs> I just thought it was brilliant. I just love, I just look at him, he just makes me smile when I see him play because he just looks so potty for it, like, you know. And also when his celebration comes as well and he sits down there and he just kind of sits up and he, he's, 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 he's waiting to score so he can do that celebration. And then I think then Godos can come over and sort of rub his head or something well, like that. He does more than rub, he, he punches in the head, doesn't he? I want to know what, I want to know what all that's about. Yeah. Godos yeah. slap. Does he, look, does he look entirely fit at the moment, Rissa, though? Do you think? I think I think he's looked a little leggy. Yeah, and probably could do with a few more games under his belt before we see his true worth. Yes, I think that is the case with him, but still doesn't stop me from smiling when I see him doing this thing. And like I said, you, we talked about Wiesa being someone for the back end of the season, stroke next season. So again, you know, this is all about Brentford staying in this league. Um, fingers crossed, and then next season these players will have bags of experience underneath them, and uh, and and hopefully a lot fitter as well. So, like I said, to you, I'm going to give I'm going to give my man Wiesa an uh, an eight point one seven two out of ten, if that's all right with you, lady. Yeah, it's fine by me, mate. <laughs> yeah, solid mark. There. That's all good. So we got the eye catcher there, but I'm going to have a look at the Villa camp now, and ask you what your opposition danger person was, Tommy L. Uh, I'm going to go for Danny Ings who, uh, you mentioned it earlier actually, uh, he took his goal with a plum. I mean, lethal. I mean, proper Premier League finish that, wasn't it? You know, absolutely buried it. I mean, it was a great assist by Brendia in, in the lead up to it and he's been a bit of a thorn in our side in recent years. But um, Danny Ings, I just think he looks better uh, playing up top by himself than alongside Watkins. Um, I know the idea of, of, of Ollie Watkins and Ings to Villa fans probably you know, they're licking their lips at that, but I'm not sure it suits either of them. You know, uh, Watkins is used to being he's been used to playing up top by himself. Ings has been used to being playing up top by himself, and I just think his movement is better. Um, 
and uh, as I say, he took his goal well. He faded somewhat, uh, possibly a lack of game time and a few other bits and bobs of this going there. But um, I thought he just looked every bit a Premier League striker, top quality striker. Yeah, it's interesting. The conversation actually between the Villa fans at the moment now is the Watkins and Ings situation and can they both play together? And they've a lot of them have come to the conclusion that they can't and I think that's part of the problem. And a lot of are kind of moaning the fact that, that she's, he's been bought and that, that they can't seem to fit them in the side. Uh, and there were, also quite, there were a few rumours going around actually from the Villa fans that we were chatting to in the pub beforehand because Watkins wasn't in the team and they were like going, is he leaving? And, you know, because he was he was missing for an undisclosed reason, as they said, and uh, it's all a bit kind of hush hush around that. And I'm wondering, especially if you've got the Gerard um, being the manager and the, a person who was subject to sort of Gerard Lampardism for most of his career with his England career, like you know what I'm saying, can you play the two of them together? Don't know. Maybe he's turned around and he sort of learned from that and thinking, well, I'll tell you something, I need to stamp that out straight away. Like you know what I'm saying, and uh, maybe he'll take the thirty million or the forty million, whatever they get for Ollie Watkins, and uh, maybe he's going to move on. But that's me just trying to start a few rumours, um, lady. Oh, I think I think that's a, I think that's a good rumour to start, mate. <laughs> to be honest with you, he's probably got a, he's probably got a shop in this, and they've gone, how are we going to fund this? And he's probably gone. Mm, who, who, who's probably the only player that we're going to actually get money for? And they've probably gone Watkins. Yeah. So that's yeah. Right. yeah, no, that's a good one. Start it. Yeah, no, it started, mate. It started. Good. Get it out there, mate. Crank it up. Um, for me, Emi Buendia again. Um, uh, he, he didn't do a lot, maybe beyond that superb turn and the ball through to uh, Danny Ings, but. He's he's just class, isn't he? he? He really is, and he always seems to do it against us. So you know, it's difficult not to catch my eye because you know he's previous against us. He scores. He he's he's just he, we we suit his his play. You know, he, he's able to sort of get the ball behind. He he, he can break our lines. Um, he did it again. Um, beautiful bit of skill. Superb through ball um, and, and a great assist uh, he kind of didn't match that as I said beyond that but um, he, he, he gave us something to think about and you know uh, yeah he's, he's, he's a quality player I wish I wish we had him I mean I was going to say to you listen you know, I've, I'm, you know I could try and invent somebody else but for me I thought Brindia again I'm looking at particular things they did and the way that he uh, the way that he turned was it Norgard you know what I'm saying and he left him for dust when he turned and then he made the pass to wings he put it at the back of the net. Brilliant. Brilliant player. I know there's been a bit of disappointment in Aston Villa that he hasn't kind of risen to the heights that he that he you know that he was before, you know, even though he is a good player. And I think that maybe, you know, in the Norwich team he was the solo excellent player in our team. I mean, if you look at the Norwich forums at the moment, it's very, very salty at the moment now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and they're talking to me now, and I think they, they actually had a forum on the Norwich forum about the Aston Villa Brentford game, which is really quite bizarre. And they were talking about, you know, why are Brentford like, you know, why, why aren't we like Brentford, this, that, the other? And they were saying, oh, Brentford aren't that good. You know, we were much better than them last year because we had Buendia, we've lost Buendia, and now we just don't seem to have anything. And I think that is very much the point. You know, when Buendia didn't play last year, Norwich were very much nothing. He's come to Aston Villa and maybe it's the fact that, you know, I don't know if it's the system that they play or the fact that they've actually got a lot of, you know, half-decent players, good, good players on their side, that Buendia doesn't necessarily shine as much as he might do within that Norwich team. But, you know, you know, he still had a decent game yesterday. Um, 85% pass uh, succession, I think it was, four dribbles as well. He won one aerial. Like, you know, he was, he was busy, you know. He was really, really busy. I think he had, I think he had five shots as well. 
um, total in the game. So, you know, he, he, he had a good game for them. But as uh, we're going to come on to a little bit later when we talk to Will, especially Winker, we also did very well in kind of containing Aston Villa to actually not creating lots of high quality chances. So I'm going to give Buendia a 8 out of 10, I think. Did you give your, did you give yours? I, I, I didn't. I was, I was going to say eight, 8 as well, but okay. we can share, we can share an 8. You can share an 8 indeed. So I'm going to go, right, I'm going to go down to you. And the thing is, tell you what, um, you know, it's going to be hard for the person that goes last on this one because they're going to be repeating it. But, you know, I'm going to have to ask you what your stinker of the match was. Now, whoever goes first is going to be very happy that I've gone to them first. So because I've got the Tommy L first twice, I'm, I'm going to go to you, Laney, and ask you, what was your stinker of the match? Well, it's got to be Trezeguet, isn't it? It just, it just has to be that, just that matrix dive that he did. It's, it was an embarrassment. And to be fair, I mean, you know, well, I was going to say, to be fair, even Leeds fans would, would, would condemn their player if he did that, but they wouldn't. It would be our, it would be our fault if, if their player had done that. Um, so yeah, every Aston Villa player. Um, every sorry player, every Aston Villa fan in the pub back up and back back after the game. Um, every Aston Villa uh, comment that I've read online since then has, has just said how embarrassed they are um, about that. And uh, yeah, he, he, it was a, a the most ridiculously exaggerated dive kind of reaction. It wasn't actually a well, was it a dive? It was just like a as I said, you could only describe it as like a matrix backward. Um, bend. It was. It looked like CGI had been involved in bending his spine uh, in reverse. But um, yeah, now fair play to his athleticism to be able to do that. But uh, he is not to his professionalism. He he was a, a cheating bastard. <laughs> and uh, there was a photograph actually of him on a plane with uh, Mo Salah on the way to the African Cup of Nations, and he's actually sleeping. He's so Mo Salah's there laughing away, and he's sleeping in the plane and uh, on their way to the African Cup of Nations for Egypt. And uh, let's just say that it, it, it's turned out to be a bit of a, bit of a caption competition, hasn't it? Yeah. You know, there's a plenty of captions there. We didn't, we didn't, we normally did we put one up for Pesotti, but we didn't do because I thought there was plenty flying around, wasn't it, Laney? Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it, it's one that won't be forgotten. I think he'll, he will be blighted by that. It's, it, it's, you know, so even some of the most kind of sensible heads that I, you know, that are on, on the pod um, and part of our crew, they're demanding like a, a three-match re- retrospective ban for for behaviour like that. It it does it does no good. You know, I listened to one of their podcasts, the Villa podcast. They said, you know, what does he think he's doing? You know, like every incident, it, it goes to VAR. You know, he had no chance of getting away with that, even if the referee had given it. The, it goes. It, go, it will go to Stockley Park, and they're going to reverse it. They will see it from every angle, and you know, if anything, they might have come back, and he would have got a booking for it, or or a, we wouldn't have got a red for it. But he deserved one. So it's kind of like, what on earth went through his head? If you can't, you cannot get away with that anymore. Um, you know, and you shouldn't be able to get away with it um, retrospectively because, yeah, every professional looking at that would be cringing, and he, he's, he's done. He, he's done the game no good yeah he's brought the game into disrepute I would say it's interesting I mean I was listening to actually and I'm going to come on to Tommy in a minute because I mean unless Tommy's got something else different are we we all going to say the same is anyone going to say any different because if we're going to say the same we might as well all crack on you know I I could offer something else I mean I'm in total agreement over the Trezeguet thing the only thing I would say is, is you do see it so often 
Like, I mean, not not that bad, though. Eh? I think I think it's because the way he went down, he, he sort of he sort of doubled back on himself rather than just going flat to the floor like, like most of mm. them do. It was, it was it was the theatrics of it, wasn't it? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm going to say. I mean, I, I was listening to I think it's the, the Guardian podcast actually, um, and uh, they were chatting about it when they do their reviews. And then, I mean, obviously everyone was talking about this, and they were trying to actually explain. It's either the Guardian or, or the or the BBC one, but I think it was the Guardian one, and they were trying to explain it away. And they were saying, well, actually, look, you know, it was really bad, but they were saying that, you know, kind of maybe what had happened was that, you know, he was trying to, you know, he, he was got the ball and then somebody came near to him and then he thought, actually, no, I'm not going to foul. And then he realised that he could, he wasn't going to get the ball. So he thought, oh, no, I haven't got the chance to be fouled here. So what I'm going to do is that I'm going to look really embarrassed. So what I'll do is that I'll just better just kind of fall over because if I don't do it then I, I'm going to be really embarrassed to myself it was it was quite a rubbish explanation but it was sort of kind of sort of saying that he was doing it because he missed his opportunity to probably go down at the right time and then after he'd missed the opportunity to go down and then he realized that he wasn't going to get the ball he thought oh no I need to go down because I've missed my opportunity and it was just a really bad decision um, no, you're not uh, buying that, though, are no. you, uh, Tom? No, that's, 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 that's absolute nonsense. I mean, if anything, he was fouling Godos. I mean, he had an armful of Godos' shirt. Um, so, yeah, no, utter bollocks, not having that. Yeah, so, so tell us, give, so give us your eye catcher if you've got something different. And you don't have to, you can go for what you feel. Uh, uh, not an eye catcher, stinker. Um, not an eye catcher, you're stinker, yeah. Ugh, well, I've got two possibles actually, and I'm not. I'm not going to single out a player because uh, I leave that for when I'm on the terrace uh, on the West Stand shouting at him. But um, I, I think our first 40 minutes was really poor, uh, and it is a little bit worrying that a team as bang average as Villa really. I mean, let's face it, they weren't that good. Um, we could we could be so poor against them. Now I know we're ravaged by injuries and COVID and all the rest of it, and I do still feel that we're plugging square pegs into round holes trying to stick to this formation and I just don't think it suits the players that we've got currently got available um, but that was a really really poor 40 minutes and if it wasn't for a moment of, of sublime skill and grace from, from Visser um, it, it would have felt very different at half time uh, and it, it might have been harder for us to come back into that game as Villa would have had the, a bit more wind in their cells so uh, I, I don't as I say I, I could pick out one individual particularly but I'm not going to you are well I think listen this is not digging them out but I think that part of this show is that you're actually you know you're actually sort of saying look you know you could have done better and I think the player in the dressing room would do the same thing so you've got to give us a name Matthias Jensen I just you know the guy's the guy's Marmite anyway um, I'm not disputing the fact that he's a player he, he is a baller he went to the Euros he's in the Danish squad he's a very very good player he just doesn't do it enough I mean, how many games can you remember where really, I could probably count them on less than one hand, where he's actually affected the flow of a game properly uh, and done something really memorable and really good and that's been really positive for us. His, his dead balls are not great. You know, they, 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 most of the time they get past, don't get past the first man. Um, I think he, he, for a guy who's supposed to be a creative midfielder, he always looks sideways first, even backwards. He doesn't play enough forward balls for me. Um, and he's just, I just think he's wasting a space in the team at the moment. I mean, how many more chances does he need? You know, uh, he's been, you know, we've had all these injuries and all the rest of it. And, and you've got someone as creative. There is a baller in Sam and Godos bursting to get out. And he doesn't get a look in. He gets played at left wing back. 
uh, instead of in attacking midfield, but we're taking that number eight spot that Jensen's just hogging, doing absolutely naff all with. Um, and, and I'm just finding it, I find it a bit irritating yeah. now. Without 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 him, we don't e- without him, we don't equalise. That's, that's all. I, that's all I'm going to say. Without what? Well, without without Jensen. Without his re- without his reverse pass. Yeah. Okay. We we don't. We don't. We don't. We wouldn't. We wouldn't have scored that. Um. Yeah, but then Roslev still did a fair bit, you know. Uh, and Vista's finish was 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 excellent as well. Yeah. So I mean, you can say without any of them. Yeah. Well, Roslev. I was saying Roslev doesn't get it if he doesn't get the pass, and the pass was exceptional. No, look, and that's fine. But you could say that about any goal at any at any time. I just think if you look at his performance overall over however many games over the season, he's just not affecting us in any way positive for me and this is my opinion and, and I'm here to give my opinion uh, I know it's an opinion shared by many um, some uh, some voice their opinions in better ways than others hopefully I'm being erudite enough and getting it out there in the right way I'm, I'm not disputing that there's a there's a footballer there I just don't think he brings anything to us at the moment I think it's a waste of a, of a player and, and we could at least try someone else there okay so give us a stinky out of 10 then Tom for Jensen or the 40 minute, first 40 minutes Jensen, I'll give him a two. Oh, no, 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 Steve, no, it's high, it's got to be high then, so it's, it's eight then, is it? Eight? Oh, sorry, yeah, it's an eight. Eight is very, yeah, it's well stinky. It's proper camembert, <laughs> proper camembert. Okay. Right, Laney, Laney on your stinker? Oh, ten. Yeah, Treasure tre- tre- goes to ten. I'm with you as well, Treasure goes ten as well. I don't have anything else to add there, I just thought it was... Interesting though, obviously, if you didn't really kind of see it, you obviously don't see it when you're there as much as you do when you come back. But boy, <laughs> did we see it when we got back, you know what I'm saying? It's one of those ones which was uh, on high rotation, is what mm. I will say, like, you know. So, uh, listen, I'm going to ask you your key moment, Laney. A key moment? Well, there you go. I mean, you know, I, I'm not going to... I'm not disagreeing massively with Tommy over over, over Jensen because, yeah, he, he is Marmite and, there, you know, the, the, the term good Jensen, bad Jensen is, is in, in common parlance. It's something that... We 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 all say um, it is inconsistent. Um, I, th- I personally think you know um, I can see it both ways. Um, I think that moment where we were passing backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, seemed to be going nowhere, and then we broke the press with that exceptional backwards um, around the corner pass that Roslev got onto. I think. That was a turning point in so much as that led to the goal or contributed massively to to the to the opening of the opportunity. You know, we let's not detract from the fact that Wiesa had to take the perfect touch to get it from his from his right foot to his left and then find the finish. But I, I'd say that move was was the turning point and it, it gave us belief and it got us back in the game. Um, we were able to go in level and uh, you know. What happened in the second half uh, wouldn't have happened. I don't think if we go in level, um, if we don't go in level, I think they probably score a second and it's in the game's gone. So I say that that move, the 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 first time we broke their press properly, I think it gave us a sense of belief, and I, I think that was pivotal in us getting something out of the game. Yeah, I can't really disagree with any of that. Um, I, I think you know that, as I mentioned earlier, you know, scoring a goal at that point in the game when we'd been so poor for for the first forty minutes. Um, uh, and I actually missed the goal because I went for a wee, which is really annoying. And everyone around I'm, me was I'm loyal. Uh, loyal. <laughs> uh, well, frankly, there was nothing going on, and I didn't see a goal coming out of, of anywhere. You literally really. were taking the piss. Yeah, I was indeed. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, maybe I can't call that my key moment because I didn't see it, uh, but I do agree with you. Uh, if there's another moment, I would just like to give him a quick shout because he's also had some stick. Um, right at the death, uh, Fernandez pulled out a, a really good save. Oh, sorry. It's unfair because you're just you're just hogging. You're hogging. You're hogging all the. You, you've had one. You can't. You can't tuck in. You can't. You can't get the full Monty. Greedy. And the reason why I say that is because you've just stolen my one as well. You've just stolen my one, and I'm like thinking I've, I've, I've spent time creating that one. Like you know, what I'm saying. Fair enough. You know, Go on, my Bill. key moment. Pretend that never happened. Pretend it never happened. Yeah, you didn't. Yeah, that's right. So anyway, that's what I was saying. Thanks very much for your your, for your contribution there, Tommy. Um, and right at the death with Fernandez, he pulled off an instinctive save. To keep Ings out, actually, you know, after John McGinn, I think, passed over to Ings. I think I thought that was wicked and that was, listen, that was that was a killer. And as um, as you were saying earlier as well, because he's been getting a lot of grief, but, you know, he's been improving a lot. And especially with his shot saving, it's been fantastic, I think. And I thought that that was a, a really, I think, if anything as well, I probably should have put that into my, one of my takeaways, where I think for Fernandez. Getting a game like that and playing like that, the goal that they scored, he couldn't really do anything about that. I mean, I know it's a very low XG. Um, you know, I think it's probably about four in a hundred have gone in the back of the net. But the way that he shot that from that corner and across and out the reach of the goalkeeper, he couldn't have saved that. But other than that, the saves that he made, I think he made at least four saves in that match, which are a great save. But that one, you know, basically saved us from having the tears like you know what I'm saying of like you know going home with three points all of a sudden it's like oh no it's only one point which it actually would have felt like a loss for us so I think Fernandez, the old hat tip will come from myself and also from uh, Tommy L as well I'm sure yeah. so anyway look you know what else have we got here we've got oh yeah the day the day out the fans the atmosphere the day out you know Sunday afternoons are not normally the one but you know did you get out early did you get down to the pub did you sort of go for a walk beforehand you know what was the weather like you know how are you feeling that day, Laney? Uh, sounded like Thomas Franklin. Uh, it was average again. Another another kind of average Sunday. I mean, afterwards, I was absolutely beaming. Um, it, it felt as good as any other of the wins so far this season. Uh, and as you know as so many people have said over the last two years you know it shows you how important football is for your for your your mental well-being and you know my the the, the not that I was like you know extremely depressed or anything going into the game but coming out I was I was sort of floating in the clouds and going in I was like oh this is just a just another game you know it was just it, it didn't feel didn't feel great um so uh, yeah I, I I'd say Overall, just another average Sunday. I really don't like Sunday kickoffs at all. Uh, it's they're just not. I don't think they contribute anything. I don't think they're they the, the fans are either team are up for it. Um, it's just, you can't. It's not the same as a Saturday, Friday and Friday evenings, Saturday afternoons, Saturday evenings. They're the ones for me. Um, we made more than made the most of it, and as I said, so overall, um, it's a it's a it's an eight out of ten because we got the points, but. Without those points, it would have been, you know, really poor. I'd say, you know. So yeah, eight out of ten for me. Okay, um, Tommy. 
Uh, yeah, I, I've, I've been struggled with Sundays. I, I totally agree with Dave again. It's becoming a bit of a, a common theme here. Um, uh, Sundays, 2 p.m. kickoffs, they are rubbish. They're, they're, you know, we keep getting skyjacked and uh, moved into like just this, this dead zone for football, really. It's like no one's got enough beer inside um, uh, or had too much the night before. And, and it's, just, it's just nothing, really, is it? And, uh, um, and I think that does affect um, the atmosphere. That said... Um, I thought fans were good actually. I thought I thought you know, despite us being rubbish, yeah, there was there were some murmurs and some muttering and all the rest of it. But once we got the equaliser, there was there was constant noise. I mean, like West End is proving to be really really good, um, and and there was there was plenty of noise coming from them. Um, just a slight pet peeve uh, with uh, I've noticed that there's um, some uh, fans who just don't know the lyrics to Hey Jude. Keep getting that wrong. Um, which, if we're going to sing it uh, before the game, during the game, and after the game, um, I think the least the fans can do is actually look up the, the correct lyrics. Yeah, it's, it's the under the skin bit that yeah, seems under to be skin, forgotten. Yeah, yeah, in the beginning, yeah, but but uh, it does. I don't know why we sort of sing the verse, sing the previous two lines again for some reason. Um, so that'd be nice if we could maybe get that message out there and say, "Come on, guys, let's all sing the correct song." Um, but yeah. I, for a Sunday 2 p.m., it was. It's, I think the result helped. Uh, maybe not so much. Maybe not so much the performance. But uh, for a Sunday 2 p.m. kickoff, it was all right. It was a bang average six, six and a half. Okay, and for me, I'm I'm actually going to give it more. I mean, Sunday kickoffs, I completely agree with you, but I'm actually going to give it an eight out of ten because I think for the first time, for a start, we had the uh, the Sutton Coalfield Aston Villa who come down every time we play them. They come down at the Globe and they come down, bring one or two coaches down. They're totally managed right up. They come there, have a good beer, we have a good chat with them. They're a good bunch of lads and lasses and you know well I mean they say you know you obviously love us coming down because you always beat us is what they say but it's not really that it's just that they really are actually a good bunch and it does actually add to the vibe you know you've got opposition fans that you could talk to about their team and their game they talk to you about you they've got the respect you know we sit down there watch a game together which is the game afterwards the Liverpool Chelsea game and I thought it was great great atmosphere before the game and after the game in the pub, in the stadium, I thought they made some noise, which other other, other sort of opposition t- um, fans don't do, you know, which I thought was good. But I also thought we were good with the noise. And obviously the, the type of game it was, I thought the atmosphere was good for a Sunday afternoon. You know, I went back, had a bit of tucker back in the pub, more beers with the mates and stuff like that. And with the, the Villa crew, and they took them out to us and said, fair play to you. You know, we'll never beat you. You, you. you know, it wasn't a great game, but you played very well and you did us. And after us thought, great. And I like that. So for me, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 because it had an all-round football, home-and-away football vibe, which is uh, which is good. And it's been quite difficult at Brentford because uh, I feel a lot of the opposition fans, they kind of go to the pubs around Brentford because that's what they know. That's all they know. You know what I'm saying? And all the pubs around Kew. And uh, they don't realise that, you know, the, the Griffin and all these other pubs are still open. And apparently the Aston Villa fans, a load of them went down to Griffin beforehand, gave them some good business down there. And I thought, saw that, you know, they put a message out saying, thank you, Villa fans, for coming down there and doing the manners down there as well. So I think, you know, you've got to tip our hat to the Villa fans to see that they're uh, traditional, good football fans with the old manners. And uh, I think they've, uh, they've got it out of their system now after we beat them the first time <laughs> we played them. And they realised, actually, to, it's, it's Brentford. We, we, we can't really start taking the piss out of them anymore because they're actually, you know, <laughs> half-decent side, you know, which is all good. But anyway, coming on to that, I'm going, I'm, and I'm going to my marks out of 10, I'm going to ask you just quickly, um, uh, the fairness factor. 
Was it a fair result? And, and, and what mark would you give it, Tommy L? Uh, I'll give it a 59 because I don't think it was a particularly fair result. If I was a Villa fan, I'd, I'd, I'd be, yes, I'd be looking at my own team's performance, obviously, and, and what led to us losing the points. But I don't think either team deserved to win that game. I think if we'd have gone away at one all, I don't think there'd be many Brentford fans that'd be like too upset about that. Um, as I say, for one half an hour, or at least 90% of that first half, we, we were abject, we were terrible. Um, and therefore, that really brings the, the fairness rating overall down for me. Okay, so uh, was it 59? And Laney, fairness rating? I'm going to go for our favourite percentage. I'm going to go 74%. 74% fair. Um, I think I think it was more it ended up being more fair um, than I thought at the time, and, and I probably alluded to earlier. Based on the chances, I thought they you know the shot from uh, um, from ba- was it Baptiste that 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 was saved just on pushed the around echo, the post on the oh, sorry on the echo yeah um, it, it tipped onto the post. I thought that was a was a great move, great shot. Uh, we had a we had a couple of chances, um, and so and so did they. But yeah, I thought I thought we got better, and um, I think I think we probably edged it. So yeah, seventy four percent for me. Okay, and for me, I'm actually going to give it a sixty. Is it sixty eight percent? Is what I'm giving it as well. And again, mm-hmm. for me. <laughs> Yeah, again, to be quite honest with you, I think we all know this as well, is that we think that probably a draw would have been the fairest result. But um, but it wasn't a draw because we did what we had to do because we don't give up, you know, and we didn't that. We got the, we got the result and it's really great. But, you know, the draw would have been the fairest result. So at the end of the day, you know, it's it's probably the Villa fans would probably, you know, chiseling a little bit. But to be fair, again, like I said to you, the, the Villa team didn't create a lot of high quality chances they create a lot of chances you know um, which a lot of them were uh, kind of either stuffed out or blocked or kind of we dealt with them or they were saved you know but they weren't sort of kind of big 40-50% chances you know one in two chances go in the back of the net we're talking about 10% 8% inside the area so I think we did a very good job and interesting you talk about that Frank Konyeka yes it was good and it hit the post but I think that again that was seven seven out of a hundred of those that have been recorded have hit the back of the net Laney so uh, yes which is all good and just to let you know the actual uh, fairness factor was seventy-two percent, actually. So, uh, yeah, Laney, you probably uh, you've you've sniffed that one. You know, you've okay. done very well. Seventy-two yeah. percent. That's right. Seventy-two percent. That's a nice yeah. number, isn't it? Seventy-two is a okay. nice number, Bill, isn't it? That's right. That's right. But anyway, look, we're going to go over and we're going to talk about stats. We're going to get Will, the spreadsheet winker, to give us the lowdown on Villa. Spreadsheet winker. So what do we need to know about the Villa game then? This was the second match in succession in which we lost the XG battle, creating 0.67 compared to Villa's 0.9. Madly enough, however, Mantarosla's winner was the highest XG chance of the whole game, at just 14%. All of Villa's came from a high volume of tiny chances, most of which were around 10 yards from the goal. This suggests that the Bees' defence did an excellent job at reducing the size of the chances which the Villa strikers got, and Ings had to show excellent skill to score from the position that he did. Just 4% of similar shots go in from there, just lower than Johan Wiss's leveller at 5%. The only other shot to break 10% was Ivan Tony's 95th minute attempt at catching the out-position Emi Martinez out of his goal, 
after he rushed up for the Villa corner. Frank Onyeka led the way for Bees in terms of pressures with 20, but only six were successful over the course of the match. Christian Norgard was second with 13, and he also had the highest number of carries with 46, but only two of those were progressive, which means carrying the ball more than five yards towards the Villa goal. We only had one carry into the 18-yard box the whole game from Canos, compared to Villa's four, two from Ings, and one of which resulted in the goal. Alvaro Fernandez had a safe percentage of 80%, stopping four of the five shots on target against him. Martinez had 50%, only stopping two. The post-shot expected goals of the shots that Fernandez faced, which is a measure of how hard the shots he had to save were, was 1.4, and given that he only conceded one goal, he did an excellent job at keeping a clean sheet, suggests a very good performance. It's much better than Emi Martinez, who conceded two from 0.8 post-shot XG. So, yes, interesting to see the stats, because it's led us into a, uh, well, it's quite a healthy position. You know, if people want to, you know, we're basically halfway through the season now, 19 games in, so exactly half the way through the season. 23 points is what we've got at the moment now, which is uh, which is looking pretty good. I mean, I know a lot of people keep saying we've got to look down as well as look up. But, you know, if we're looking down, the third relegation spot is Burnley with 11 points. So we're uh, 12 points ahead of Burnley. Admittedly, they've got a couple of games in hand with us as well. Then underneath them is Newcastle with 11 points as well and Norwich City with 10 points. Um, Watford are in the, the, in the place just above the relegation zone in 13 points, OK? And played 18, so they're actually 10 points behind us. So, I mean, that's quite healthy. You know, we've got Leeds United above them, Everton, Southampton, Aston Villa, and then we've got us, you know, in, uh, like I said to you, in uh, 12th place. Um, and Crystal Palace on equal points in 11th place as well. And if you want to start looking up, we've actually got Tottenham Hotspur in 6th place on 33 points okay which is actually 10 points above us so there's there's quite a big gap between us and the sixth place and the gap between us the similar gap between us and the relegation places so that's looking quite healthy Laney isn't it yeah it's 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 a it's a it's a really good watch isn't it looking at that league table at the moment um it's very comfortable it's gonna I mean of course we're going to look down as as well as up I think I think it's inevitable um just just for reassurance really there's a there's a big gap now, um, and it's a gap against against teams that just haven't haven't won a lot. You know, Burnley only won one game, and that was against us. Um, uh, the others are just spluttering at best. Um, they're going to have to get. Incre- there's going to have to be a transformation in our form and theirs, and our and our form's only going to pick up. You know, we've got players coming back. This isn't this isn't as good as it gets for us, and we're still getting points. You know, we we can say that you know it was it was a very average. It was it was a it was a bang average performance on on Sunday, but we won, um, and we are gonna we are gonna get stronger. You know, Ayer's making the Ayer came back. He sat you know he's on the on the bench. The players are gonna players are gonna reemerge. We have got you know Josh De Silva that's you know hopefully gonna be 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 knocking on the door for a first team start by the end of the season. There's players that we're probably going to bring in in January as well. It's it's all combining to to mean you know that it's 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 pretty much impossible that we're going to go down. So yeah, uh, it's, it's a great watch. Yeah, and, and then talking about going down, we like to use our stats as we know because we are Brentford and we are very statted right up. We get a five thirty eight to see exactly 
what is what they predict is going down and they've got their model and at the moment now they've predicted Brentford end of the season going to be finishing on 20, 19, 18, 17, 16, 15, 14th place is what they're saying uh, we've currently got 23 points they say we're going to finish on 45 points and they always say that 40 points is the magic number they think we're going to finish above that 45 points looking at actually some predictors actually it looks like you <laughs> we might actually stay up with about 34 points or 35 points this season because they're predicting you know the points that the, the lower teams are going to get are, are so low that you could actually still stay up on 35 points which I think is quite interesting you know um, the bottom three they've got Norwich at bottom who are going to go down and 25 points they've got 91 1% chance of relegation Newcastle second bottom on 29 points 75% chance of relegation and then Watford third bottom with 33 points 52% chance of relegation then interestingly Burnley fourth bottom on 34 points with a 42% chance of relegation and after that is a massive drop off with Leeds United in fifth and bottom they believe with uh, 41 points which is 14% chance of relegation Southampton above that then Everton um, they're seven and eight percent, and then Brentford at the moment they're saying have a four percent chance of relegation with Palace above us with three percent and Aston Villa with two percent. So that's kind of where it's at. So it's really kind of like they're talking about four teams now: Norwich, Newcastle, Watford, and Burnley, which is interesting. I mean, Tommy L, are you feeling comfortable when you listen to that? Uh- when I listen to that, it helps. Yeah, absolutely. The four percent chance. I mean, yeah, the old cliche. If you if you'd have given me offered me that at the start of the season, I'd have bitten your hand off. Um, I'm not sure. I believe it. I am uh, naturally a little bit more pessimistic than that. Um, you know, all of what Dave said is right. We do have players to come, and, and absolutely, the Premier League has not seen the best of us. Um, but we got a, quite a tough run coming up. You know, uh, Southampton, uh, City, Arsenal, Wolves are in some form as well now all of a sudden. You know, so we still got to get the points on the board. We do, but so do they. So do they. And the teams below us. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're 10 yeah. points below us. They've got yeah, the points yeah. on the board. And also the other thing is that, you know, they've got games in hand over us. But when you're at the bottom of the table, you'd probably rather have the points in the game than the games in hand. I, I agree with that. top of the table... You'd probably rather have the games an end because you you're more likely to win matches. So I do you know. agree with that. I guess what I'm saying is is, is we we have got a slightly tough run ahead, and and if we don't get many points from that, we could get dragged down there, and then psychologically it becomes a very very different beast. Um, and yes, I accept that you only have to have three teams that are worse than you, and there are clearly three teams that are worse than us, more teams that are worse than us at the moment. Um, but as we all know, you know the table doesn't necessarily tell the truth all the time um, so but, but we're looking at this we're looking at the stats table there which so, we do look I, I'm happy right now yeah which we do which we do quite like I'm not, and I've, I've actually got out on a bit of a limb saying actually after that victory today I could relax and say actually we don't necessarily have to win obviously you want to until probably towards the end of November of February which is Newcastle because the way that this league seems to pan out is kind of like you know you seem to get you know at the bottom of the bottom of the table win every sort of kind of Sort of three three games or so, or four games or so, and you seem to be doing okay. But listen quickly because it's been a great chat, and we need to go over and talk about Port Vale. I just want you to give us a quick summing up, Laney. Uh, just delighted that we didn't play well and we won. Uh, it's move on, forget the game, remember the points. Tommy L. Uh, yeah, uh, bang average, but 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 got what we needed to do ahead of quite a tough run, uh, which I am still worried about. For me, I'm very happy. Happy New Year to us. We've got our three points. I can relax now. We've got FA Cup. And uh, let's bring on the next win. 
at the end of February. Oh, well. <laughs> but anyway, listen, 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 let's, let's, let's have a little break. Let's have a drink. We're going to come back and we're going to talk Port Vale. So, tell you what, though. I mean, we're going to talk about the FA Cup, get so excited. But what we do is we're going to get someone to give us a little bit of a vibe before the FA Cup chat. And that's JB with his facts and his funk. Because JB is going to give us some FA Cup facts and some funk. Hello, Jonathan Birchall here again. As we reach the halfway point of our Premier League games this season against Aston Villa, we've now scored 12 goals at home. Wissa becoming the first player to net on two occasions, while Maz Rosalith continued the pattern of sharing the goals around and became the 10th other player to net a single goal so far. We also turned a half-time 1-1 scoreline into a win for the first time since the playoff second leg against Bournemouth last season. And now we turn to the FA Cup. We haven't won an away tie since the 2-0 away trip to Bournemouth in the first round of November 2012. And for an away third round win, it's not since the 3-2 at Stockport in January 2006. This year's cup ties have been quite unusual. In the League Cup, we were drawn against Forest Green, Oldham, Stoke and Chelsea, and had never played any of them in the League Cup in previous seasons. The FA Cup has now drawn us against Port Vale, and likewise this meeting with them in the FA Cup will be for the very first time. So there you go, JB with his facts and his funk. And he talked about that uh, away game at Boreham Wood, lady, 2012. Can you believe that was 10 years ago? Do you remember when we did the full-on planning to go to Boreham Wood? And uh, Boreham Wood had a bit of a reputation at the time. I remember in the non-league, I remember when they played AFC Wimbledon. And there's police and all sorts and helicopters and everything like that, I think. So uh, we were fearing the worst when we got down there and it wasn't quite the same. But uh, do you remember that? It was, it was, it was quite, yeah, quite, yeah. quite rubbish. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't as moody as we thought, but it was, yeah, it was, yeah, just one of those banana skins, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And Stockport, in the third round he talked about as well, um, was the last time that we actually won a third round away game and I remember in 2006 I can't remember I remember that That was a, that's the day that I meant the infamous Monty as well as we went to Ooh. Breadbury Hall went up to Breadbury Hall for the weekend for the very first time with uh, all sorts of football fans that don't even support Brentford fans. you're going to Stockport we'll go to Breadbury Hall with you which was quite uh, an interesting weekend anyway so that was uh, yeah that was all good but anyway you know talking about FA Cup um, I'll tell you what though we are playing Port Vale. So let's get in the vibe and let's find out exactly what is going down in Port Vale because we haven't played them for a very long time. We're going to go to Johnny from the Ale and Vale podcast. He's going to give us the lowdown on Port Vale. Hi, Billy. It's Johnny from the Ale and Vale podcast. Um, so recently on the pod, we've been chatting about what Vale needs to do to improve and We've seen one of the signings come in today, which is Ryan Edmondson on loan from Leeds. So it's pleasing this early in the window um, because we've had six strikers out injured uh, for the previous games, which obviously were three weeks ago. But the COVID break has probably done us more of a favour than some other clubs, as I'm hoping to have a couple of them players back in action for the weekend. Um, 
so far on League One. It's been an enjoyable season, with the exception of Walsall at home, which was dreadful, and Oldham away, which again, dreadful. It's freezing cold there at the best of times, but to be in the lead twice against a team that's in disarray and then lose 3-2, yeah, it wasn't pretty. Um, but positively, Forest Green Rovers away and Bristol Rovers both stick out. Um, different reasons. So Forest Green Rovers was a perfect away performance early on in the season. We kept Jamal Matt quiet. Nathan Smith had a great game after being punched in the face by him. Um, he he just seemed to win everything after that and that kind of fired him up. Whereas at Bristol, we had no strikers and still managed to score two. Um, it helped that Joey Barton's teams like to get players sent off. Um, and they got two cents off versus us, but that wasn't the, the, the we were on top of it before that anyway. Um, at home, Leighton Orient sticks out in my mind. We're two one down. Harry Smith was dancing in front of the home fans, um, and then in the 90th minute, we ended up winning it three two. Which, needless to say, um, his the response to that wasn't um, pretty for him. He, um, he he seemed to go into his shell a little bit. Um, my tip for promotion, apart from us, obviously, um, as far as Green and Newport, though, because both sides look very well. They're, they're going good. They're winning games still. They're, they're playing good football. Uh, relegation, I think Oldham and Scunthorpe have with the two worst sides we played, even though we lost to Oldham. Um, they just they didn't really seem to create a lot. And Bahambula for Oldham didn't play versus us, but we know he's key. And um, I just think that there's, there's going to be teams looking at him because he's, he's better than that. Um, now the cup run at the weekend um, usually for me I'd say it's a distraction because team the size of, of Vale are never going to win the, the FA Cup um, so it's only really good for the money um, but with this one coming after having three weeks away from competitive football I think it'll be all about match fitness for us and a kind of a final pre-season friendly almost um, with obviously a lot more riding at stake because it'll be actually competitive Um it's not a glamour tie for us. We've played Brentford lots of times in the past. Um, been to the ground more times than I can actually remember. Um, been in three different parts of the ground as well and four pubs. So um, I think for, for a lower league club, everyone wants a good day out when you, when you get to round three. And Brentford at home just didn't have that feel about it. And it doesn't feel winnable either. So I think it's a lot of fans have just been a bit a bit down on it. But I think with the fact that the COVID situation last few weeks and not being able to get over Christmas. I think a lot of fans will be more up for it than they probably would have been if we'd played all the games that we were supposed to. Um, but yeah, I think the, the key with the third round is a chance to visit somewhere new, be on TV and a bit of a day out like we did against Man City the other year, which had the added spice of Tom Pope versus John Stones after the little the few tweets from Popey. Um, I think the money is huge though to early clubs. But the magic of the cup is wearing off as most top teams send like they send a weaker side now out to play and it's not like the past when the FA Cup was the cup to win. The the kids now want all won the Champions League and I just think um I, I think Brentford obviously want to stay in the Premier League, so I'd probably expect them to play a, a rotated side. They've got a great model at the boardroom level and the idea of how to, how to make it work. Um, you've only got to look at the fact that they sold Mopay and Watkins recently and then they've, they've brought in even Tony and look what he's doing in the Premier League. So it works and it's great. Um, I'd expect a rotated side though still, but I think they're still going to be too strong over the course of the 90 minutes and Thomas Frank's a great manager. So I think he'll desperately want to win it just for the fans and the, the little bounce after the win versus Villa as well will, will go far to help. 
Um, Vale, though, I think on the pitch, Cork, he goes 3-5-2 normally. He uses Gibbo and Warrell as wing-backs and Tom Conlon in the middle, which a lot goes through. Um, we haven't got a particular style at the minute because, as I say, we've had six strikers out. So we've played combinations of Proctor, Wilson, Rodney. Um, we've had Politic and move up there. George Lloyd before his loan got cancelled. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit, a bit of a lottery really there. Um, we, we do tend to work the ball into the box more than actually cross it, though. Um, and Dan Jones stands out because not just because he's got bleach blonde hair, but because of his long throw as well. Well, we're yet to score from it, but it's a, it's a weapon. And I know that obviously Brentford have got similar with Ethan Pinnock. So it'll be quite interesting how that goes, especially on Vale's pitch because it's massive. Um, depending on which keeper starts Vale, you'll either see Brazilian flair from Lucas and he does like a time waste or two here and there. Um, you may see a, a tweak of the hamstring and then all of a sudden it's fine on a goal kick. Um, he's he's got a, he's a master of wasting a bit of time when you need him to. Or you'll see Aidan Stone and goal, who's done well so far for us when called upon, but we've not really seen much of him in the league apart from Bristol Rovers away. Um, it's usually a back three. So Lewis Cass, that's had a good season on loan from Castle, uh, but he's a little suspect in the air. Um, Nathan Smith, who's a good old-fashioned centre-half, loves a battle. And I'd say Dan Jones, um, left-footed, so balances that back three up lovely. Um, likes to switch with the ball, but he's um, he's become one of the fans' favourites as well. Um, then we we'd go if everyone's fit. This is Warrell on the right wing back. Um, picks up assists for fun. Been brilliant across the last couple of seasons for us, and really helped when we were playing really badly with with some much needed flair going forward. Um, in the middle, we usually play Ben Garrity that we've signed recently from Blackpool. Um, he got Player of the Month for us. Um, for his goals that he's scoring. He's got seven from midfield, even though he did play up front um, versus Bristol Rovers. Then Tom Pett and Tom Conlon in the middle, both very good footballers. And then James Gibbons, left wing back, who he's predominantly a right back that's been moved there this season. And he's he's doing really well. He scored a couple of goals and probably should have had a few more. Um, the top two is the mystery. So I'd expect it to be Rodney and Edmondson if everybody's... if. Rodney's back fit, unless we sign someone else before Saturday. But Rodney's the frustration for the season. He's got lots of potential. Had a great season last year. Scored some banging goals. Um, it just hasn't hit the heights. It's, it's his bit of demeanour and his attitude that people are questioning now. And he's becoming one of the ones that the Vale fans aren't too happy with so far. Um, last time we played, though, Brentford at Vale Park, it was a 1-1 draw. First game of all first season back in league one after promotion and what promotion season that was um it was a painful start for us because on paper it looked like it wasn't going to be fun but a one-all draw Douglas got got a equaliser i believe it was from outside the box it was a good finish um but clayton donaldson stuns out in that game because as normal it was a massive pain and um he probably should have had a couple of goals um and that, that obviously goes into the fact that we used to play Brentford a lot in the league. Um, remember Alan McCormick and Alan Judge being there. Uh, they were horrible to play against. Nathan Alder always used to score and Jay Tab always looked like one that probably should have done more with his career. Um, but the old Brentford ground was great. I've uh, been there seven times I've just worked out. And uh, as I mentioned, been in three different parts of it. 4-3 um, defeat stands out from 2007. Um 90th minute goal that we conceded at three all after after we'd been um, got ourselves back in the game and I think you were bottom of the league at that point 
so that wasn't fun. Uh, 1-0 victory, though, August 2003, a little further back. And it was the first time we saw Australian, uh, Austrian, sorry, Andreas Lieper playing a competitive game. And for me, he's still considered as one of the worst signings in recent history. He was he was awful. And then the big one, the LDB Vans Trophy. Um, didn't go at the time because I was only 11. Um, and dad wasn't interested in Vail and I got in interested through friends um a little later but i remember watching it on tv and it being very wet and i've watched it back since and steve brooker was just the best player on the pitch that day and he was a massive threat for us um and it was a huge day for the club at the time um unlike now where you get to the final of the pizza trophy and it's just not not quite the same um looking at the brentford team though if they go full strength Sergio canos and tony are a huge worry because both blessed with with pace and Tony especially is powerful and, and good in the air and he's a he's an old fashioned striker that, that's got good feet. Um if not good is in it is in there and he's we we've always had um he's always seemed good when we've played against him in the league and then we Visa that's played in the, the League Cup a couple of games as well. He seems a handful so I think there's a lot of Brentford squad to, to actually be concerned about. I think at the minute Vale's Achilles heel is balls into the box though so that could suit Brentford with the use of the long throw um, even though obviously in the Prem they're, they're not just a long ball side like some teams used to be and um, they, they do mix it up well I'm expecting a good game uh, but for Brentford to come out winners I think mainly due to the fact that I think we're going to use it as a pre-season game rather than a must win and we'll be happy with the, the additional funds um, we've been trying to get it down on the ground and play some football though so I think it could could end up being a close game and actually a good game of football and I think 2-1 defeat uh, for, for Vale. So thanks for having me ramble on and uh, good luck for the weekend. So there you go, Johnny from the Ale and Vale podcast. Very good podcast, go and check it out on all good podcast channels as they say. And uh, Port Vale FA Cup third round. Now this is going to be an interesting one I think Laney because we're in a we're in quite a different position this year because we are kind of, you know, as it is at the top of the pile, we're in the Premier League. Normally when we play in the FA Cup, I mean, like I said to you, I remember back in the days, I used to love, you know, FA Cup first round day when, you know, we'd, 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 we'd actually want to get a non-league team, you know, so that we can go to a non-league game and we could be the bigger team, get a non-league game, go to all these really strange places that we'd never been to before and have a lot of fun you know and then we got to the you know to the the, the heights that we got to the third round we got in the third round straight through so we didn't have to play the first and second round and we always wanted to get a big team a premier league team and we never hardly ever got a premier league team but now we're in the situation where we're actually in the premier league and we're almost like hoping that you know we just kind of get you know small teams so that we actually kind of get a decent run you know even though i'm slightly different thinking on this one because i'm actually thinking that you know in this covid era I don't know if we want to play too many matches, so I'm not saying I'm willing Brentford to lose, but I'm sort of thinking if we lost on Saturday, you know, it may, and I'm sort of touching wood here, I'm not saying this, that we want to lose, it may do us a little bit of a favour because we're, uh, we're struggling a little bit with numbers and the extra games, is it going to do us a favour? But still, FA Cup third round weekend, Laney, is a biggie, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of the you know as they say, it's one of the, the big dates in the in the in the footballing calendar. It's it's a it's a chance usually where um, the, the the smaller teams get a chance to play um, the the top two flights that come in on, at the third round level. Um, teams that have been battling to get through from the qualifying 
qualifying rounds or from the first rounds. So uh, there are there are a few smallies versus biggies, Davids versus Goliaths. So um, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, I still think it it gives some of our fringe players um, a chance to to perform. Um, we if we if we go strong in this in this game, we we you know we we should we should sort of like be be way too 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 sort of like dangerous for 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 Port Vale. But it, it, I think it does allow some of the players that are coming back a chance to to get minutes under their belts. Um, it gives a chance, hopefully, for a couple of deb- debutants uh, in, 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 in principle. And then there's a few players that are kind of on the periphery of the first team, aren't really getting a lot of minutes, gives them an opportunity to shine. So I think there's, there's, there's definitely some use to come out of this fixture. I agree that if we go out, it's not the end of the world because it's all about survival. So uh, I, I, think, I think Thomas Frank will use this um, wisely. Um, and I think you know we'll, we'll probably talk about our um, our suggested 11s in a minute. But there's, there's on mine there's there's players there that um, there's two de- two debutants there, and then there's and there's players there that need minutes. I mean, Tommy, FA Cup third round, excited? Are you? Yeah, I am uh, as ever because it, yeah, it is it is it's the FA Cup. It's the greatest cup competition in the history of football uh, on the planet, and um, and it's a brilliant competition, and and it should be revered and it should be cherished and uh, it should be enjoyed by everyone. Um, and uh, I just hope that there are some some giant killings out there. Um, whether we're now considered a giant, uh, God, that's a bit of a, a monumental shift in 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 our psyche, I guess. Um, uh, who knows? But uh, it usually throws up a few surprises, doesn't it? And it's actually quite—it's always nice watching the uh, the scores roll in, sort of quarter to five, and looking at seeing who gets knocked out of the big boys. This this game, let's be let's be straight. And you know, you know, Johnny was talked about the fact that you know the the Portfile fans were, you know, just because we played us a lot of times, and he he had to mention that that um that uh, Leyland Daft Trap uh, game back in uh, two thousand. <laughs> At Cardiff, which was a complete data, that was just a that was a write-off, wasn't it, lady? I mean, do you remember that one? The coach he did. I did one of my infamous coaches down there. We thought it was going to be a great day, and the rain—it was absolutely teeming with rain. The pubs were horrible. The day was horrible. The match was horrible. We didn't turn up, and uh, they went and beat us, Port Vale. So he's kind of saying, look, you know. We played Brentford so many times. He's been to our stadium loads, and he's not disrespecting us, but he just said that you know Port Vale fans were hoping maybe for a you know maybe for a team that hadn't played in the Premier League. You know, probably like probably like what we would have done a Chelsea or an Arsenal or a Man United or a Tottenham. Like you know, it hasn't quite happened. Mm. But this is you know where we're at. We're not a giant yet, then. No, nah, well you know I suppose it depends on who you play. You know, if you play Forest Green, we're definitely a giant in their eyes. Like you know, we're not in the Vale fans. But, um, but the thing is, that I'm trying to say is here, we are going to change our team because that's what we always do for the cup games. So we do not go out with our full strength side. So we're going to be changing things up a little bit. So, uh, I mean, first of all, let's just talk about, you know, who we potentially might put in. But before we do that, um, like I said, it's transfer window. We talked about this last week. And let's just keep in tune because at the end of the day, if we sign a player in the... Actually, no, we're not going to sign a player in the next 24 hours and put them in the side. So maybe we'll come back to that a little bit later. But like I said to you, we're looking at, you know, we talked about, we're looking at a right back. And that's still on the cards. We've talked about the, you know, Mads, um, uh, Mads uh, situation, but we're still looking at a right back as well. Another player position that we're looking at, though, as well, we are definitely looking at a left 
back position for the bees. 100%. We're out there in the market for a left back. You know, I think a few offers may have gone in. Um, like I said to you, if you're speaking to a few of our sources around the place, can't say any more than that now. But this is a situation which is very hot on the tail. So, you know, that's going to be a situation which may come in for that as well. But also we've got the Mudrick situation, which is still hitting up as well. We've put offers in for him. That goes to show you that there's still a bit of movement in Brentford. And so the players that we might bring into this game, they're going to be having a little bit more competition in the next few weeks, aren't they, um, Laney? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, this is, it's the window opening gives... The, I was going to say DOF. So there's only one DOF now. The other one's the other one's uh, Southampton. Um, we'll talk about that probably more in you know next week. I'd say. Um, so yeah, it, it allows us to, to go out and, uh, and and strengthen, and we, and we do need to strengthen, and we and, and it's an opportunity as well. If there's an opportunity to 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 better what we've already got, if something comes our way, or if we get if we get landed it, or uh, um, it, it it just comes on the radar. So um, I, I I expect a lot of a lot of churn, and I expect some some to go out. Probably more B team players to go out. Um, but there's 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 scope for a, a real surprise here. Um, you know, we've we've talked. It's, Christian Eriksen was one that's been mentioned. Um, I was watching Sky Sports News yesterday. A Danish football agent came on, and they were talking about Christian Eriksen's recuperation. You know, obviously he famously collapsed in the Euros playing for Denmark. Um, he was he was dead on the pitch. They resuscitated him. They fitted him with a defib, defibrillator. That's a you know a mechanical mechanical um, contraption that's inside him, and it and it'll, it'll kickstart his heart if, if 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 the same thing happened again. Um, there are you know. Um, Denny Blint is a player that um, has has got a similar contraption, um, and he played for Man United and he's currently at Ajax. So it's it's not impossible for players in a, in a similar medical situation to resurrect their careers. Um, and the link with Brentford is is clearly strong. He's a Dane in a in a in a team and a squad that's full of Danes with a Danish manager. Um, so there was there was a, a kind of like an educated suggestion that he was a you know Christian Eriksen is a player that we could consider whether we would want to take that risk um, whether us as fans would be comfortable in possibly witnessing that firsthand what what was played out on the, on the screens back in the summer um, I don't think any of us would would want to want to see that um, in the flesh but um, as a player there that could possibly do an incredible job in, in resurrecting his career. So watch this space, mate. We could well uh, just just to do obviously the, the, the bit due diligence and uh, um, speaking to my you know sources, the Swedish sources, and I know that's that was on Sky Sports News, but we've heard the Christian Eriksson story is not is actually not live and it's not happening. Um, and it's something I don't know why the agent said it, and obviously maybe to get a little bit of interest and get his name out there, but it's actually not a link. With Brentford, it's not something that is going to happen um, from this, you know, in, well, not in the foreseeable future at the moment. Now, yeah. um, just, just quickly coming back to the Mudrick. Mudrick actually is a left winger, um, like I said, he's Spartak um, in, in Shakhtar Donetsk. Sorry, Shakhtar Donetsk. Sorry, not Spartak. Sorry, Shakhtar Donetsk, and he's a winger and he's uh, very good. 
and he's got some good feet. And like I said to you, very, very exciting. And it could change the way that we play on football as well, like I said to you. You know, we can actually go back to three up the front if he's actually uh, three up front, which will actually could change Ivan Tony's game. But we'll talk about that a little bit later if he actually comes through. Um, there's a few players that come back as well. Like I said to you, Balkum has come back. Another goalkeeper has come back. And Goodison, we talked about him in the last podcast. He's come back as well. So we've got all sorts of goalkeepers in our in the four now as well because, you know, we've got that. Um, um, we're talking about force potentially going out and loan as well you know that the rumors of that is going around is quite sort of kind of gets quite strong as well Oksanen has come back in as well which is good and we didn't talk about beforehand Norgad having a new contract which is as good as having a new player as well you know so but Oksanen's come back and you know the chances are that he'll probably go out on loan again because he's quite down in the pecking order so you know looking at this and looking who we've got in the fray and got in on our camp and the fact that it looks like we're not going to sign any players before the FA Cup at the weekend who do you think that we should be starting with? Uh, or let's go for the team. Nainik, in, in goal. Um, do you want me to run through my 11? Or do you want to go through one at a time? Okay. Well, I've got Losal in goal. He was the, he was the player that we, we, we got in from FC Midtland on loan to the end of the season. Um, I think he's, he's, he'll, he'll, he'll make a debut. Um, I think that's likely. Oh, oh, just to, sorry, just to interrupt you as well. And that Losal, from all the feedback... That we've been getting, he's meant to be very good. Um, he's he's meant to be, a first, like, in effect, a first team keeper. And uh, I w- it wouldn't surprise me if Lossell actually features in the first team at some stage. There might be a kind of switch between him and Fernandez at some stage. I mean, you know, from the the word that I've heard, he's he's meant to be very much a, a backup keeper. But I don't know. I've just heard that he's very good. So I mean, it's a very good option to have. And I think maybe at some stage there may be a little bit of a jiggery pokery between the two just to get okay. them both a little bit of game we'll time we'll see how That's that pans my, out my yeah, yeah um, right wing back, right wing back I've got Finn Stevens. Um the centre backs uh, I have uh, Christopher Ayer I think he had B team minutes um, I think he's he's fit he was on the bench um, I think he he plays against Port Vale um, Mazbek Sorensen um, Pinnock um, is captain in in my book. So he he played um, in the early rounds of the uh, the League Cup and he was captain in those. So there's three, four, and five, six um, central defensive midfielder. I've got Yanelt. I think he starts left wing back. I have Thompson. I think he plays. He was he looked like he was crocked um, in that game against Chelsea, but I, I think um, sorry Man City. Um, but he was on the bench. I think, assuming he's not, he's not, you know, injured. But I think he, he's the he's a left wing back. Now, the other central defensive pairing I've got, I've, I think Mars Pert Harris. Um, I've given him a, a debut. Um, it's about time he contributed something. Come, he came through, uh, came to us with um, a lot of uh, a lot of props from from Chelsea. Um, he's been learning, I assume how to, to play Brentford way. Um, it's about time he, he, he played, I'd, I'd say. So nice to be nice. I think this is a game that we could reintroduce him. Um, Mads Bizdrup um, gets, gets, a, gets a start for me. And then the two, the two forward, the left, the, the left winger as such, it was Godos um, um, playing the, uh, playing the Umbumo role, and then uh, and then Marcus Force uh, gets a, gets a start for me. So um, Tony on the bench, Canos on the bench, 
Um, a very strong bench, probably for us, but that's that's my eleven. Okay. Yeah, and Tommy, I mean, any changes from that? I mean, just you know, I mean, you don't necessarily have to go through the whole eleven, but is there any players that you would be throwing in there, or thought it was quite interesting that Laney's thrown in? Staggeringly, I picked exactly the same side uh, as Dave. There was no conferring, nothing like that. They're all there. really. You guys can say I picked exactly yeah, the go. same side. Well, there I you want, go. I, I actually wanted to uh, to go four three three. Uh, because I want us to go 4-3-3, but um, I don't think we will. I think we'll stick, we'll stick with the current shape. Um, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's a perfect opportunity for Ayer. Mads Beck's missed a lot of game time recently. It's a good opportunity for him to get some fitness. Uh, the only reason I might have gone 4 3 is actually to give Pinnock a rest, because um, he's played a lot of football and it wouldn't be a bad game to rest him in, but I think he will play and, and probably captain inside. Thompson comes in because he was left out. We can't risk Worslev now, so Stevens has to play. Um, Norgard gets arrested, Bidstruck comes in like for like. My only, and I, I totally agree with you on Pert Harris, I think, yeah, absolutely, great game to get the guy involved in it, and let's see what he can do. The only thing I wondered was maybe not rushing Yanelt back, giving him a bit more time, and maybe actually just playing Baptiste instead of Yanelt. Because um, I don't think we need two defensive midfielders against, uh, against Paul Bell. Um, but then, yeah, I had Godos in the number 10 role, hallelujah, playing off the striker, uh, where I think he could be absolutely lethal. Um, feeding lots of uh, tasty passes in for Marcus Force. So not much of that. The only one, the only person we didn't mention who's also come back from loan is Alex Gilbert, um, who by all accounts is a bit of a um, uh, tricky left, left winger. So he might sneak a place on the bench. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so and uh, pretty much there with you, Lainey, with a couple of things. Um, I'll th- tell you something, Aya. I actually left Aya out. Only probably for, probably for selfish reasons, just because I, would, I wanted to play against Liverpool. So I want to make sure nothing happens to him. Mm. So I actually left him out, and my centre backs were actually good. Um, um, even Pinnock, because he just seems to play all the time, even though somebody said that they thought that he looked like he was slightly struggling a little bit, and you know, the way that he was running as well. So maybe he might get left out, as you were saying. And I put Mads Beck Sorensen in there, even though he's, he's only just come back, Mads, and maybe I thought he might get a bit of time. time. Uh, Dom Thompson is on the right. Wing back as well, and, and I've got Finn Stevens. Finn Stevens seems to be getting a lot of thumbs up from everybody here because we think that we need to see what he's like because everyone reckons that he's really wicked, even though he's only very young. And I think this is going to be a good game for him as well. Bidstrup, obviously, is the man who's going in there. I've not put Yenel in there because I just think that he needs to just get some chilling out time as well, you know. But um, like I said to you, I've got Godos or Nonyeka in there, and I've actually, I've actually left. Um, I mean, forces in there, but I've actually left Risa in the side just because he scored such a great goal last week. I just love to see him just do something similar yet again. So kind of like you know, that's where it is. So we've left quite a few of our key A team first team players out. I think just to get a little bit of a rest because they need a little bit of a rest. But I think there's there should be enough there to kind of get us over the line. Uh, and he says, as he says, um, just to let you know, Port Vale. Strengths, shooting from direct free kicks, they're very strong. Finishing scoring chances, they're strong. Creating long shot opportunities, creating chances through through balls and creating chances through individual skills. So they've got some skillful players. They obviously play the ball around quite similar to what we do as well. Like, you know what I'm saying? Um, their weakness is avoiding offside, defending against long shots, defending against through ball attacks and protecting the lead. They're very weak. They like to control the game in the opposition's half, which is our half, attack through the middle and down the right, and they like to play short passes. So that could actually play into our hands, couldn't it, Laney? Yeah, they're, they're having a decent season, Port Vale. Um, they're the sixth place. They've been you know, the last playoff berth at the moment. Um, they've had a, a decent away um, win in the, in the last round of the FA Cup. Uh, so this, this is a good 
good test for them against a, a weakened Brentford. So they, they they do pose problems. They do play a bit. Uh, it, it should be a, a you know a fiercely contested match. It will be. We should be too strong for a League Two team. There's, there is no excuse for us to, to not progress through to the fourth round. Um, but you know, as, as we've spoken about before, there, there are banana skins. I, I don't see this as one, but um, you know, Port Vale will be be looking forward to, to testing themselves against us. So, you know, anything is possible, as they say, in Mr. Grant. Everything is possible, as they say. And like I said, the players to look out for, obviously, Garrity is their top goal scorer with seven goals as well. Like You know, they've got Conlon and Proctor as well, who seem to be quite lively. But also there's a player in their ranks who actually was featured very heavily for us, who we've liked very much. We've got Leon Leg, 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 Leon Leg, 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 still plays for them as well. And he's uh, it's going to be good, interesting to see the aerial um, battle between him and, and whoever goes up for our corners and our free kicks as well. Like, you know, whether or not it's Ethan Pinnock or, 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 or Aya, whoever else is going to be up there. But Leon, he's a, he's a good chap, isn't he? And he, he, very many fond memories of Leon Leg, especially probably from when we used to play Port Vale back in the day. A lot of love for Leon Leg. Yeah, he's 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 someone that is part of our evolution. Um, he he was a good player for us, and uh, yeah, I, I wish him well. It'd be it'd be nice nice to see him. Um, I'm sure he'll get a you know a really good reception from the travelling Brentford fans who who make the make the trip up to Vale Park. That's right. So FA Cup third round day, and listen, we're obviously playing FA Cup third round. Uh, there's a load of other games actually that whole weekend. And I'm going to ask you, because obviously, like I said to you, if anything is possible, lads, what team would you like to actually kind of like, you know, basically win over that weekend and see them in the hat in the fourth round? Uh, Tommy L. Uh, well, as much as I like to see Birmingham City lose, I was going to say Plymouth, but it's got to be Chesterfield against Chelsea. I mean, if Chesterfield could do anything, I mean, if anything's possible... That's the magic of the cup right there. Chesterfield to beat Chelsea at the bridge. Cheetahfield. And it's on, it looks like it's on, is it on the box as well. It's a 5.30 game. I don't know if it's on the box, but it's a bit of a late one. OK, we'll we sit down and... Uh, actually, we can't because we're probably making our ways back from Port Vale. I mean, Laney, if anything is possible, who would you love to see in the hat? Got got a soft spot for Rotherham United this season, Bill. I, 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 I think they. But, who are they playing? Um, who are they playing? I mean, they're doing very well, but who are they? I mean, I've, I've got no idea who they're playing. Um, lower league, another lower league team. Another Queen, lower league t- Queens, Queen? Queens Park. Queens Park Queens, Rangers, I they're think they're playing. Oh, Queens Park Rangers? Oh, okay. No, Queens Park Rangers. Yeah, they're a lower, oh. lower league West London team, apparently. Right, so that's so basically that's your anything is possible. If anything yeah. is possible, you'd like to basically um, point a finger. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, good. come on come on, the Millers. Come on, the Millers. That's right. And for me, uh, if anything is possible, I would actually love to see, because I think it would be quite funny, if a Morecambe beat Tottenham Hotspur because yeah. I just think that would just be hilarious like you know what I'm saying at White Hart Lane as well so come on the shrimps like come you know what I'm saying I've got, yeah. I've got, I, know, I know a load of shrimps as well like you know what I'm saying you know he's got uh, Damien Damien Coyley and stuff like that you know all the characters I think let's just go out there and let's be supporting them on the Sunday the shrimps so anyway if hmm. anything is possible those are the three teams that we'd like to see in the hat for the fourth round so uh, listen so FA Cup 
game. So what else is happening? Like I said to you, what I'm going to say to you as well is that don't forget to uh, check out for the FA Cup game. If you go onto the uh, Port Vale site, they've actually got a nice little away fan guide that you can actually check. It's almost like in, in, in booklet, in PDF style as well. So go and check that out, which is all good. Their SLO is a, a girl called Ali Simcox. She's a mate of ours, good mate of ours as well. Really good girl as well. So you can also check her out. You can tweet her or email her. and she, or I think you probably even call her. And If you need any information about Port Vale, she'll get back to you as well. Like I said to you, Ali's a great girl. Hopefully we shall bump into her at the weekend as well. And uh, the trains are pretty mash up actually. So you might have problems going there and back and they're all delayed and they're going around finally. Northampton and extra times so there's a bit of a problem there with the trains but hopefully you'll be able to get to the game and get to the game back safely and quickly um, I'm still not decided how I'm going to get there because I think that train thing has kind of thrown me a little bit so I think the car may be a maybe a last minute option for myself but look I'm going to just finally come back to you unless you've got anything else guys but I was going to come back to you and see if you've got a score prediction for the game at the weekend Tommy L uh, yeah, I think we've got we're gonna have too much for them, even if we put out a uh, in inverted commas weakened 11. Um, 3 0. Us, Laney, uh, 3 1. Oh, uh, 3 1. Us, okay. And I'm gonna go 2 1 to the mighty, mighty these. <laughs> so, there you go. So, listen, this is the besotted pride of West London podcast, our first FA Cup podcast of 2022. Funny that because the game's only about <laughs> the year's only about five days old. <laughs> Brilliant, but excellent, mate. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Well, it's factually, factually correct. It is, factually it is correct. absolutely factually correct as well. So, listen, I've had a good time chatting with the chums in the virtual <laughs> joint here. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Anything Is Possible AIP dot media. Check them out. Our buddies from the South Coast. So we'll be seeing it again in a few days' time because we're playing Southampton. We're going to have another podcast for you before the Southampton game, um, which was postponed, as you know, last month, but we thought nah let's just put it out again and give you some more information well, about Southampton. Our first first um, Southampton podcast of 2022. <laughs> That's right it is. It's our South Coast podcast of 2022 as well actually like you know so you can check that on prideofwest.london don't forget to subscribe and write us a review in itunes or anything else when you give us a review and people are really happy with us also don't forget to buy us a beer besotted.com forward slash beer thank you to everybody who has supported us and bought us beers and bought our t-shirts and everything like that on besotted.com just check it out if you want to write us a message on besotted.com please do that and our messages come flooding in and we'll get back to you as soon as we can do on that but other than that my name is Billy Grant, and I've very much enjoyed this, and I'm sitting here with my man in the Lillaney. See you later. And we've also got in the house, Tommy L. Thanks, Billy. Dave, been an absolute pleasure. Cheers, That's mate. right, and like I said to you, we're going to Port Vale, we're going to the FA Cup, and if we beat them, we're going to go in the hat, and we're very happy in the hat, because then we're going to have a couple Big of game, games. big week, big week next week. As we say, come on, you bees. Come on, you bees. You bees. You bees. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is... 
AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business. Removing friction and frustration for your employees. Supercharging productivity for your developers. Providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.